this is Norman Spinrad, and this is Sci-Fi Saturday Night, and I'm pleased to be here, and we'll be back to you soon, immediately right now. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. Overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message of bringing all people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye bye, Saturday night. Good evening, everybody. It's Talkcast 184. Oh my god. <laughs> and it's Trek Night tonight. Deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 66 Cloverleaf right next to the EPA landfill, past the Bart Simpson-Ralph Sampson animated basketball court, directly adjacent to the e-book burning virtual fire pit, and next to the Clarence Lumpy Rutherford Memorial Pavilion. I am the Dome. Joining the talk cast tonight are the usual suspects in all kinds of different places. Sitting next to me tonight is the woman who is both red hot and icy cold and a new Mac user. Barnabas, the zombie cat, is somewhere else because with me tonight is the dead redhead. I'm calling Norman Spinrad right now. <laughs> well, he was kind of a mumbly guy, wasn't he? <laughs> In the Revere Time Vortex, violent soundboard vixen, chief architect of all that is technical, and queen of unstable petroleum byproducts, Kriana. You know, if Ray Bradbury wrote his iconic book today, he'd have to call it Kelvin 2.7 Billion. From the stacks of Silent Zone in the Dank Dungeon reading room, keeping cool, calm, and collected, she's got a robot, and there was one, and, and yarn, and spinning wheels round and round. It's Zomperian. And I did record that opener, and I didn't I screw it did. up. So hey, there's that. Yes, and notice the fact that neither of you knew that you did it because both of you sound the by, same. By the way, 2.7 billion Kelvin is the burning point of silicon. Which would not have been correct. Unless it was an exactly e Exactly what you just said, the e-book burning pavilion. what's coming out of your mouth, Dome? Absolutely never. <laughs> Which is why I'm such a wonderful interviewer and can never even remember people's names, except for the people that we have joining us today from Chicago's improvised Star Trek troupe, Nick Wagner, Chris Rapjin. Please tell me I did that right. See, these oh, are you the did? types of things we're Hot. supposed to go over before. Hey. Hot. Well, you were too busy playing Final <laughs> Countdown. <laughs> Give me that yeah. shit. Had enough. And joining us later will be Irene Marquette, three of the chief architect players, designers, writers, producers, directors, and, and weird people involved <laughs> in improvised Star Trek. And we're going to be uh, <clears throat> talking about what they do, how they do it, where you can see them, where you can hear them, and, and uh, that too. <laughs> the usual ways. Same thing to say. <laughs> and naturally, you absolutely, absolutely had to say it. Thank you. 
They uh, smell like maple syrup. <laughs> no, no, they're cana not Canadian. Chicago. <laughs> they smell <laughs> like Chipotle sausage. That's what you're thinking. Chipotle oh, sausage. <laughs> Still good. <laughs> Is that code? <laughs> <laughs> it could well be. We never know anymore. Been an interesting week in sci-fi this week. Uh, we were supposed to have, well, never mind what we're supposed to have happen. But in the next couple of weeks, we are going to find a way to get somebody from Boston Comic Con on to tell us, now that it's been rescheduled, where it's going to be, when it's going to be, who's going to be there, well, we, uh, we and all when that. And where, right? Yes, we do when and where. But I'm, I'm going to make oh, him say it anyway. Are you, are you going to try to keep our, right. our viewers in suspense? Um, we well, know it's the first weekend of August. It is the first weekend of August, and it is, uh, where is it actually? Oh, yes, the uh, World Trade Seaport in Boston. Yes, the seaport. And uh, if we do have any part. viewers, I would like your name and address, or I can send the police. <laughs> or listeners. You for do the prefer, hidden cameras in my apartment. Do you prefer listeners? Is that what you're telling me? I'm telling Kriana that because she's the one who said we have viewers. Yeah, I know. She's creeping like me out. Please no. to the people down the street from my house. Well, you know, Cam just got a little over enthusiastic, and no, just kidding. <laughs> Thank you, Peanut Cam Gallery. Cam is actually here right now. Well, not like here, awesome. here, but like not, not here, cyber here, but here. Oh, that sounds worse. Cyber, cyber here, yeah. That. Brianna, you need to just mute for a bit. <laughs> I'm on Take a, roll a deep breath. Tonight. Yeah, what kind of roll? Meat Definitely. or white? Hmm. And I'm in a room filled with Harleys and She-Hawks yeah, and Yeah, you're, you're not in for Color Vault of Comics. No, no, not. she's in Area 51 cool. with me tonight. It's very four color in here. Yeah, it kind of is. There's a great cat woman in here. Yes, Empire. I've been no staring Barnabas, at that one. Really nice. No Barnabas, the undead kitty. <laughs> No. Brianna, this... did you listen to the no. opener? Because no. we've covered this. No. <laughs> I don't listen to what comes out of what? Dom's mouth either. Once again, <laughs> nobody listens. If he doesn't, why should I? Uh... All right, so what's, uh, what's happening this week? Okay, uh, I'd like to start with uh, Bob Almond, who sent me this wonderful note. Uh, voting for the 6th Annual Inkwell Awards is over. Ballots are tallied. And the live awards ceremony will be at HeroCon June 7th through 9th. And they're going to be there. They're raising funds for... Something. Oh, uh, what are they... Are you... Fundraising programs, conventions... No, something good. I remember I looked at this. It was, it was cool. So unprepared. Oh, the... Um... The Dave Simons Inkwell Memorial Scholarship Fund for the Kubert School. That's what it was. And the Joe Sinot Hall of Fame I, I Award. I want to say one more time, Bob Momond, you made me ink. <laughs> it's because of Bob Momond that Kriana is the inker she is today. I, yeah. So uh, you can contact them on the Facebook page. We'll have links to that. And the website, inkwillawards.com. And the awards will be uh, given out in about two weeks. Who are some of the people up? Do we know who some of the people uh, are? 
some of the wins. No, that's the, well, the best that's pinkers called... from far and wide. That up here. I don't believe they, uh, no. Oh, wait. Oh, we have Ambassador Adam Hughes, which, and Louis Small Jr. And Louis Small is amazing. Um, Adam Hughes is amazing himself. Dan uh, Panosian, Jay Lyston, Mark let's Brooks. Some more names. Okay. We're working on These it. These are people. I know. I was joking. <clears throat> so, what else is on the news docket, Dome? Oh, our Kickstarter of the week. Yes. Is get dorks in dungeons to Gen Con. What is dorks in dungeons <laughs> for those of us who are not familiar? Dorks in Dungeons is a live show. Kinky. It's a live improvised <laughs> show. Oh, now I get it. Uh-huh. Uh, and it is, uh, it could be kinky, but it uh, it's a bunch of geeks playing Dungeons uh, and Dragons. Or that a was form not what of... we were thinking. Yes, we know this. Uh, and there are only two women and like 15 guys. So there may be a lot more dungeoning and dorking than one it's would expect. It's a sausage dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of a kinky pillow and, fight dungeon. <laughs> and basically they're, uh, they need five grand to get to Gen Con where they've already been booked to do the show. So they put together a Kickstarter project to do that. Uh, and they're local uh, for us here in New England. They're actually out of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And Gen Con is where again? Uh, Gen Con is in... Where is Gen Con? This was not supposed to stump you. We're so prepared tonight. It's like I'm flummoxed. But we're in different places and... It's someplace else. It's in the Midwest somewhere. Brianna, we're going to get copyright grabbed for that whoa that's a naughty picture um oh. <laughs> so speaking of getting grabbed for copyright <laughs> <laughs> yes darling do go on darling zombrarian tell so, us about copyright violations that may or may not have occurred so now i can't even keep talking speaking of copyright and dorks and dungeons um Amazon <laughs> announced today that it's starting a new initiative where people who write fan fiction can sell their fan fiction through the, I believe, through the print-on-demand and the Kindle. And um, they're partnering with a bunch of um, t uh, shows. Mo right now it's all TV shows. Um, and both the writer of the fan fiction and the original show get a royalty for each sale. So right now, all they have is um, Gossip Girl, Pretty Little Liars, and I know you're all already on board with this, but they also have Vampire Diaries. Hell okay, yeah. so I'm over. I mean, what? So Kriana's all over it. <laughs> yeah, you don't write Empire Diaries fan uh, fiction either. Um, 
Are we publishing it next week on the website? Yeah, it'll be yes. up next week on the website. Awesome. Priyana's, Priyana's Vampire Diaries fan fiction. <laughs> oh boy. As long as you don't get into any Walking Dead fan fiction, that would be kind of really creepy. But um, the part of this oh. is they're not going to do the good stuff. They're not going to do the smutty fan fiction. Yeah. That Sad face. PG version. It's kind of the whole. No pornography. Sad. Um, and they also said nothing that infringes copyright, which fan fiction. I mean, there's a lot of people who claim derivative works as a reason fan fiction is okay, but it kind of skirts the line a lot of the time. Kind of. So it'll be interesting to see what they actually allow. Priyana will have to read it and tell us how close it is to the actual I'll Vampire read it in Diaries. Sexy voice. I see. Allowed. On the you know. Other. You know. We, we could get. Uh, we could get H. P. Mallory to come in. I, I think H. P. Mallory <laughs> and I could read a dialogue together. Oh. Okay. That, that that's really radio at its at its smutty one. finest, right there. And then we have to tie up the zombrarium. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I probably shouldn't put it that way. No, Achoo. because then she'll be. I, I mean, I, I did that once already, but. Never mind. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Uh-huh. And then the jar just keeps right off. Going <laughs> yeah, I don't have to go in the creepy jar if it's true. No, oh, you have to go in the creepy jar three times if it's true. Can I go six times if I get to do it again? All right, that's enough. Wait, what was that about Walking Dead, Joel? <laughs> What's that? No, you have about Walking Dead? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, the Walking Dead, huh? Yeah, uh, interesting. AMC made a verbal commitment at their upfronts. They want The Walking Dead to run till 2022. Jeez. At least. And that was the head of programming for AMC. What if They're it jumps the shark? Not so I no. have to double check that, though. Did they say they we're going to have it on until 2022 or they could run it until 2022 because the guys who did game of thrones said that they were prepared to run that they right now have enough storyline to go for seven seasons but that they weren't sure they would go for seven seasons no so is it like that or is the actual quote was the CEO and head of development for AMC wants The Walking Dead on the air until 2022. See, we're, we're here in Chicago wondering, won't all of the zombies be decayed at that point? Yes. You would well, of course think. they will, and that, that's the good news. You would think. Well, World is, Wars. what if the zombie virus got into the ground and into the plant? Well, everyone who's in there is already infected, right? So it does, doesn't matter. Right. I mean, that was... That was the end of season two, the big reveal. Right, so, oh. so as long as they headshot someone every time someone that dies, they're fine, right? Or That's something. Like, um, people who survived. Oh, yeah, just like the old timey plague. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I didn't think too, so I'm thinking through this idea right now. <laughs> well, and to cross fandoms a little bit, in World War Z, which is the best zombie book ever in the history of anything um the movie looks like crap but that's okay the movie movie, they've admitted fully that the movie has nothing to do with the book except for the title yeah like books they've 
come out and said, we only kept the title, which was stupid of them. Um, <laughs> anyway, the zombies freeze in the winter in right. northern climates, That's and then I'm they come north. back. So there, so there is some preserving going on when they oh. no 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 that's the fun part because once they freeze you can run out and just chop their heads off well right but i'm saying they wouldn't um, all have decayed by then because some of them are being kept frozen over the winter and the book does spend a, a series of years in which the population the zombie population decreases and decreases and decreases but never actually but really goes 20, away is this what the best new but world order 2022 i mean even <laughs> even if they're only active in the summer like and, and right. not to mention how hard freeze thaws are on tissue. No one's really thinking yeah. that through. I mean, yes, it kind of... Thank you, biologist. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. When you freeze something, the little ice crystals rupture all the cells. So really, freezing wouldn't preserve them. It would probably kill them. There's a... There's a because reasons, that's why. <laughs> Again, why X and I are heading north. Yeah. Perfect. You know, it's funny, too, because I, I happened to catch, through no fault of anybody but my own, uh, uh, a viewing of warm bodies. Okay, I really think that that looks like a cute concept. You know what? The movie was marketed all wrong. People are saying it's good. It looked, it, it came comedy, off as a right? stupid, fluffy little movie. It's kind of a comedy. Like but a dark it's, comedy. It's a very dark little funny movie. And it's not, you know, this teen angst garbage crap. I'm in love with the zombie shit. It's it's it makes a little bit of sense. Rob Cordry from The Daily Show has this amazingly funny small part in it. And uh And John Malkovich is in there. And Malkovich is in there too, yeah. That yeah. makes any movie awesome. That's true. It, it makes any movie significantly better than one without him. There's no doubt there. So, you know, I'm saying, you know, it, it, it's not for everybody, but they marketed this son of a bitch all wrong. It's actually not bad. I thought it looked fun from the beginning. And it but is Brianna said that she wouldn't go see it because it was basically necrophilia. And she's and basically she wrong. I, I will say it is the only zombie movie that my girlfriend saw the trailer for and was like, if you want to see that, I'll, I'll watch that zombie There you movie. go. There we go. <laughs> it's a date movie. It's a date movie. A zomcom. A zomcom. I like that. <laughs> you just made that. You should patent that. Yeah, yeah. You need, you need to that trademark puppy. that, mother. Good job. Will do. Uh, so the bad news is there's a Ghostbusters 3 again that is bad news oh my god the good I mean, news is like all the others it probably won't happen well I don't know you know when, uh, when they're talking about it on Ellen uh, and Larry King and Larry King and Aykroyd is saying yeah well guess what Bill Murray's not in it <laughs> well I'm shocker <laughs> damn you spoiled it on us again um, yeah. Let's open another House of Blues or something. <laughs> it's it's kind of sad, you know. I mean, I'd really like to see one, but without Bill Murray, it just doesn't make any sense. And it's it's been so long. I'm not sure that it makes any sense at all, unless you know Ghostbusters three, the second generation. Oh, that's it. The next generation, we could have Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> He can be the the head of the uh, Ghostbusters worldwide, and maybe have franchises out there. He would, he would do this there. really kick 
first voiceover at the beginning, he'd be like, if there's something strange in your neighborhood. <laughs> Who are you Who going are to you call? call? Us. <laughs> but he has to do it in in the wheelchair from X-Men. <laughs> now I really yes. want to see you guys. I think you meant to say he could get to do it in the wheelchair from X-Men. <laughs> well, there is that, yeah. He will be blessed so with that. Maybe, maybe it's going to happen, maybe it's not. I don't freaking know anymore. Um, My money's on not. Yeah. My money's on let it die and be done with it at this point. No, don't uh, let it be die. Keep rerunning it every Halloween. On well, yeah, I mean, that's fine. CBS and AMC, but other than that... Okay, does it Okay, so somebody brought up Slimer in the chat room. Does anyone remember Slimer High C and how awesome that was? Oh my god. <laughs> yes. That was stuff like a child crack. <laughs> Not only because it was addictive, but also because you would drink it and then everything would go blank for a while. <laughs> that's, that's true. Like, you whited out on sugar. It was amazing. You were possessed by the Indeed. Ecto Cooler? I was only allowed to have it about once a year. And it had that weird, that shade of yellow green that it, just did yeah. not in nature. Which is awesome. <laughs> I th it was even more vibrant than Mountain Dew. Oh, it was yeah. like getting a whole generation of nerds ready for Mountain Dew. <laughs> Mountain Dew light. <laughs> so uh, June 14th is Superman Day. Wah, wah. Everybody get your tapes. Uh, no. DC is releasing the the Man of Steel movie that day. Oh, and, I have to hide X. <laughs> I really have to hide They are X. also giving away first issue reprints, both in print and digital format. So line. you can go to your favorite comic book store that day and beat other people out in line to get to the front of it, and you can get one. They're also being given away in libraries across the country. Uh, oh, libraries. Oh, libraries. And oh. don't See, call. Libraries have this, have this marketing problem where yeah. they're not good. No, seriously, I love libraries, but libraries are really not good at marketing themselves, except that one from a couple weeks ago that has the Kickstarter to get the Hulk. That's <laughs> awesome. Yes. Um, why Superman libraries? Why did you pick Superman? Science Bros? I that's why? No, I, I don't I think know, it has anything to do with science. But everything should have something to do with science bros. My, my problem with this is it's all based on whether or not this movie tanks. Which it probably will. And, the more, <laughs> you know, the first trailer looked okay. The second trailer was kind of scratching my bald head. And the third trailer is just kind of, oh, So when shit. you said bald I head forgot just then, that is so yeah. not where I thought it Wow, what the oh, fuck have you been um, drinking tonight? I don't know, but I want some. <laughs> the oh, color oh, of Slimer oh. High C, Ecto Cooler. <laughs> Ecto Cooler. So I was watching the Superman trailer the other day because I like to torture myself, and apparently. And oh. I had yeah, I had forgotten that Kevin Costner was in it until they showed that clip from Field of Dreams in the middle. 
<laughs> it's seriously I think they took a clip from Field of Dreams because he had more hair than I've seen him with in a while and he was just kind of standing there in a plaid shirt and jeans and staring into the distance I think that that's how they're going to get him in the movie save your money and go see Pacific Rim ten times <laughs> <laughs> so or rent Field of Dreams Yeah, you know it's basically the same movie ten times Tape a little Superman cut out to your screen. Ugh. Good Lord. Well, speaking of Superman, I did want to throw those t-shirts. On our Facebook site, um, I made reference to an artist out of Brazil whose name is Billy. And I have to... Billy Pilgrim. Oh, no. no. Billy... It's like Billy... Billy Eckstein. Bushwhack or something. It's his really strange name, Bob the Animal Steel. (laughs) But he made these t-shirts using DC superhero icons and he melded them with 80s uh, underground music people and they are the best t-shirts in the entire world. And if you go to a little company by the name of, let me, wait, let me get the name for the company for you guys because we don't have that up at the moment, but I can give it to you in two seconds. Take three, they're small. It's called Society Six. You have to spell out society. And you can use the number six. And you use the number six. Society Six. And these are the coolest t-shirts. They're so pop art. They're like the new Andy Warhol. They're right over there. Oh, you moved them. Right there. His name is... Created by some Brazilian guy. Hold yes. on. Yes. Butcher Billy. There we go. Butcher Billy. Not and Billy Butcher, Butcher Billy. Butcher Billy. And they are the coolest just t-shirts. They have Superman as Morrissey from when he was with the Smiths. Yeah. And Batman yeah. is Ian Curtis from Joy Division. And Wonder Woman is Susie from Susie and the Banshees. And it's some really, really they nice graphics. And they're really, really bright colors. And they mentioned songs. The Flash is Devo. The Flash is Devo. Firestorm is Johnny Lydon. And for once, Aquaman is cool because he's actually Billy Idol. Billy Idol. <laughs> oh, and uh, Robert Smith from The Cure is actually Plastic Man, which I don't know how they ever came up with that one. But that's one of the shirts I got. I already got two of these. I want to get the whole set. <laughs> They're just amazing. They are very cool. How cool are they so, again? They are so cool. They are the link so in the show notes will lead to The Flash from Devo. Flash one? Yep. Awesome. Because that one was my favorite, so I picked it. That's okay. <laughs> it also fits our theme for tonight. So, Kriana, very quickly, uh, you wanted to talk about Warehouse 13. Oh yes. my god, how stupid is Siffy? Seriously. They are. They're um, stupid. Oh. That's a rhetorical question. Have we, have we said so, this know, how many times now? But they seem to it's be the only network ever. that really, really enjoys shooting itself in the balls over and over again. <laughs> yeah, there. I said it. Balls. You did. You did. Creepy jar. I don't think so. I think it's just accurate jar. Okay. <sighs> so Siffy has decided to shoot itself in the balls by announcing that the next season of Warehouse 13 will be its last. And, and it's only six 
episodes long. Those stupid bastards. Why are they doing this, um, Brianna? They didn't give a reason. They just said... Heads. They are. That's very true. That's it's, more, it's are they going to make another like show. you know one of their stupid serpent jaw? Uh, it's probably going to be more yeah. wrestling, honestly. I mean, it's and not like they're going to put a new Stargate on or anything good like that. That's disgusting. That's a damn shame. It really Maybe is. Maybe somebody else will pick it up? Probably not. Maybe it'll be on TBS. <laughs> I mean, at least Whatever. Eureka had gotten a bit old. I feel like Warehouse 13, first of all, has fucking awesome guest stars. Brother Data, anyone? Mommy Kate, anyone? And it's still got Spike? legs. I yeah, mean, they just introduced so him, many... and he ain't dead. Spoiler alert, he ain't right. dead. And, <laughs> and I mean, like, how awesome would he, would he be yet. as a recurring and, character, and... right? Right, and Anthony Head is supposed to be on, and I haven't even seen him yet. And, and I mean, true. they're just scratching the surface. I mean, even when they do Artifact of the Week, they're still freaking interesting. Yep, agreed. They're formulaic episodes are more interesting than the let's veer off and do something new and I, fun I think, episodes of most TV the, shows. I uh, think the whole big storyline with Artie going insano there. Did you listen to I, the I end did. of my sentence? I think sentence? their whole storyline with Artie going insane was awesome, and I usually hate story arc-like things like that. I think it has something for everyone. You know, at people who like the arcs, people who like more episodic shows... People who like fun, people who like history, people who like books, people who like things that are good in the world. <laughs> people who like puppies and kittens? People who like Allison Scagliotti. Actually, people who yes. like puppies and kittens are represented because that dog it's trailer so yeah. is right. adorable. Yep, absolutely. Adorable. Um, yeah, so Jinxie and Claudia have the best chemistry ever. Yes. Ever. And we know that they'll never sleep together. Yeah. Yeah. Be because Claudia is actually a lesbian. It is depressing. Oh, well. That it's going away. Yeah, but Jesus. Speaking of balls and things that are depressing, really okay. quickly, can we just mention that um, in Star Trek Into Darkness, Benedict Cumberbatch had a shower scene balls. and it got cut. That is not tits at all. Yep. That is completely balls. Yeah. <laughs> or lack thereof. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and since we, Spoiler alert. we promised Do our it. guests we would talk about it, how how about that Spoiler Doctor alert. Who finale? How about that Doctor Who finale? <laughs> <laughs> well, that perked him right the hell up. Did you like it? Well, I no one had to send his uh, watched uh, Warehouse 13, but you made a pretty good sell for it. I thought... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the best shows Siffy so has fun. ever done. Great I fun. would argue that it's the best show that Siffy has ever done. Better than Not Battle better Star? than SG1. Better. After Battlestar, you, you kind of have to take a couple of uppers <laughs> or you sit there and pound your face into the wall and go, why? Why is this happening? <laughs> after and, uh, Warehouse 13 is the no, same no, way, Warehouse or... No, Warehouse 13 is everything that is fun and good in the world. 
Wonderful. Antidote, <laughs> <laughs> yes, one one offsets the other, and then you move forward. The shame they weren't both airing at the same time. It could have been like a depressive manic uh, yeah, program. Yeah, yeah, programming for bipolars. Nice. Oh, good lord! So, Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, up a season magnificently. Yeah, I really liked this half season, and uh, I at least had not kind of enjoyed the previous half season as much as I was yeah. accustomed to. So right was, there with you. This was a uh, very, very fun. I, I think part of it was they uh, they gave me exactly what they promised, which was an adventure a week. Uh, so yeah. honesty in advertising, they didn't get too bogged down in the arc, I thought. Um, and then still when, when everything happened... Uh, in this finale, it did seem to tie a lot more stuff together than I was even looking for. So, it tied a lot more together than I, I think anyone expected. Yeah, I mean, you know, I they are notorious for letting storylines dangle mm. or or unresolved issues, and mm. you're sitting there in that last 15 minutes going, "Holy shit!" Yeah, and then wow. as they wrap it up, they dangle a new one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, are you guys pre? Number nine fans as well. Uh, I w have watched. Uh, yeah, I grew up watching it uh, as a kid, so um, I have seen pretty much everything. I haven't seen too much of uh, Hartnell uh, and just a little bit of Troughton, but otherwise, I'm I'm pretty well versed. Because I know that uh, my partner, Illustrator X, just kept talking about it's going to be the Veil Yard. It's going to be the Veil Yard, which was not a, the greatest run for Doctor Who because of who was playing well I can't blame it all on him it was the writing at the time right um, Peter yeah you're right uh, Peter uh, that was Colin uh, Colin, Colin, Baker. Colin Baker but um yeah I think that was like probably the best idea that came out of that run it's probably why I think yes. he's still talking the yard uh, well, I mean, I feel like they sort of danced around that uh, earlier with the Dream Lord, where they kind of got you thinking along what that, what got new viewers thinking along the lines of what a bad version of the, the Doctor mm. was, so. Yeah. And now, now we have to sit for another six months and wait. Mm -hmm. Damn them. Damn you, BBC. Well, they have a really such... high opinion of our patients because... <laughs> and our attention span. <laughs> they must talk to the guys who did The Sopranos. <laughs> well, you know I mean, what? they took 16 years off and they still got the audience back, so... That's, That's true. true. Wow. They better. Ted Redhead, we're awesome. <laughs> Usually I do that with Priyana. Uh, all right, well, listen... Wait, uh... I have one more thing to say about the finale. Can I say it? Do it. Okay, the thing that I appreciated most about the finale, in which there was a lot to appreciate, um, was that they finally let Alex Kingston go back to being absolutely amazing, and that woman outacted the entire rest of the cast with two words, and it was phenomenal and gorgeous, and so is she, even though she's my mom's age, which we just learned <laughs> before the show started. That's okay. It's okay. We're going to accept that, and there's no problem with it. It was a terrific end to this season. Uh, he's got a new companion that is, uh, frankly, phenomenal. The writing amped up from the first half of the season to to a, a significantly better degree. And, uh, you know, they're, they're hitting their stride again. They keep 
resetting themselves and they've done it once again. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this from this point forward. We are, however, 15 minutes late getting to getting <laughs> getting to our 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 well, our, see, our that's Facebook the poll. Of the internet is it doesn't matter. That's right, because we're not on actual radio anymore. Screw you, Clear Channel. I love I, saying I, that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it warms the cockles of my heart, and that wasn't even a filthy statement. So anyhow, on our Facebook poll this week, Dead Redhead, what happened? We asked, since we got done celebrating Illustrator X's birthday last weekend, uh, we had to come up with a poll, and when we did that, we decided to use, what is the best use of the moon as a backdrop for a movie, specifically a movie. So, and we had we had some interesting ones. We had a lot that people put up and then nobody ever voted for. Um, <laughs> but, yes, but, we did. But we did. We had uh, two clear winners. We did have a tie for third place. We're back to having our ties again. Our tie for third place is Amazon Women on the Moon. Which has nothing to do with the moon other than the title. True. True. Well, the movie itself was in the movie, right? Isn't that title one of the mini movies that's part I, of it? Yes, but it, it's, there's nothing there. About the moon, yeah. Right. And uh, Georges Millet's A Trip to the Moon, which I think er, that's burned in everybody's memory, isn't it? Right. That's the one with the moon and the rocket goes into the into moon's the eye. eye and he's not very happy about it. And Georges Millet is, was a master at his time. And then perhaps in second place is one of the finest movies ever made. One of the most iconic, certainly, about the moon. Second place is 2001, A Space Odyssey. And we have that giant, what did they call it? Monolith. Uh, The monolith that was on the moon that they found. And it was going, and, and, you know, people. We also had the Pan Am spaceship, which now would be called the Virgin Galactic Spaceship. That's right. That's right. And then a clear winner for us this week at number one is the movie that was created by David Bowie's kid, (laughs) Uh, Moon. Moon is number one, which I still have to see it, but I understand it's a very good movie. So It's not for everybody, but it's a movie definitely worth watching, I think. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. I did not know that David Bowie's son was the director. Yes, Duncan. Right. um, Duncan's. Duncan Jones. Jones. Duncan Jones is David yeah. Bowie's son. Huh. Yep. And uh, Well, he makes a good movie, I think. Yeah, he does make a damn good movie, and it was a lot of fun to watch, I thought. Yeah, so- I, did. I had an important question about the poll. Okay. Because I didn't I didn't add my my original vote because I wasn't sure if it would have counted. Why would would the- shorts have short movies have counted? Sure. Because the Pixar one that uh, I think it ran before Brave, with the little kid oh, and his that two, was and very cute. I his two that. uncles and they sweep up the stars yes. every night. Mm-hmm. That was oh my lovely. Gosh. It was beautiful, and there were no words, and the moon was all over. If you haven't seen it, I'm pretty sure Pixar um, puts up all of their shorts for free somewhere. So you right should on look their for website, it I thought, and find it. Because it's adorable. That's very true. That, and I, I think it I, is called The Moon. I've forgotten about that, but you're absolutely right. So our three guests who have been talking in and out during during the, uh, during the what purports to be news on our show. <laughs> <laughs> These are, were important <clears throat> topics, Amazon, including fan fiction. Okay, if you insist. 
All right, Nick, Irene, and Chris from Improvised Star Trek. Hello. Hello. An improvisational troupe that does live theater, does... uh, uh, We've got the podcast. Instead of trying to explain what they do, (laughs) Kriana, can we play a clip called Postman? We're having some technical difficulties. One moment. No, we're not. Oh, <laughs> you're magic then, because she just told me to stop. Her no, time. I didn't. Well, then the house is haunted. Cool. Let's. let's so, Kriana, can we play Postman by Improvised Star Trek? Baxter? Yes. Uh, okay. Normally I go with my secrets to Lady Cola, but this is like a big secret, so I figured I should go to you. Um, my husband just beamed aboard the ship. What? You're married? Yeah. I was gonna size you up. Well, I'm not, like, it's not that kind of married. Oh, great. It's like, you know, it's like that's why I joined Starfleet Medical Academy. Uh Uh-huh. Like, he found me. I ran away, like, okay, we got married, like, we got, we did the ceremony. Aren't you, like, 14? I'm 18, but right as they said, you may now kiss the bride, I fucking booked it out out of there. Okay, okay, so you never consummated the marriage? No, never even kissed him. Then I think you're in the clear, I don't don't think there's any problem. Okay. I mean, he's here, so we have to do something about him, but. And he's terrifying. Why is he so terrifying? Captain? Yeah. Uh, there's a bounty hunter on the ship. Does he look cool? He has, like, a trident phaser. That's awesome! Yeah, it's like a trident that shoots three phasers from the end. Well, send him here into my ready room. I gotta no. meet this guy. His name is Zorb Zonaldson. Zorb Zonaldson? That sounds familiar. Commander you... of the space and ocean! He says he's commander of the space and ocean. I don't, I don't even Holy know what that crap. means. He's That's really cool! So much stuff. Do you know this guy? Come on! What? Come on! You come on! Zorb! Zorb! Zonaldson! That's your name! Yes! This is your dad. No! Come on! Send him into my ready room, please. No! Oh, fuck. I'm going into your bathroom. Okay, fine. He just killed one of the ensigns. I have spilled blood on your ship! Zorb Zonaldson! Uh, well, it's nice to meet you. Uh, we don't generally kill people on Federation ships. So we're going to have to take you to the brig until we can have a hearing about this. <laughs> Too sweet. <laughs> yeah. So how's my little chickadee doing on here? Uh, she's doing great. She's the chief medical officer of the Sisyphus, and she's super happy. And uh, her and I are engaged. You are a jokester. No, she and I, we're definitely getting married super <laughs> soon. Like, uh... Captain Baxter to uh, Commander Watson. This is Commander Watson. Are all the wedding preparations ready? Uh, if by wedding preparations you mean I've gotten all the blood from the ensign that was killed off of the bridge, yes, <laughs> I have. All no, the blood's no, I'm gone. talking about the wedding preparations. Wink. Ensign Wink is getting married? No, no. Uh, Dr. Zonaldson and I are getting married, as everyone on the ship already knows. It's already very clear to everyone. Oh, Captain, I, uh, 
Sorry, I'm talking into Quick's breast. That's okay. I am right on top of those wedding preparations, and everything awkward. is uh, everything is going exactly according to plan. Sorry, I didn't mean to drool on you there. What, what are you talking about? We're on the bridge. Great, We're thank you. Cut that out. Oh, Zarlene, I didn't think I'd find you here in the captain's bathroom. <laughs> I definitely didn't think I would find you here. You know, you are somebody who has special senses. Yeah. A quarter of what now? Betazor. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what, Zarlene, I've got senses too. I can sense when people are telling secrets. I can tell when friends are telling secrets that I should be hearing that I'm not hearing. Lady, I, okay, here's the deal. I have a really cool husband. And I hate him. Um, go F yourself. What? Uh, a, how? Okay, I will need you to tell me how later. And B, no, you go F yourself. And tell me how. Uh, I told him to go down to Starbirds. I told him that this was like a pneumatic tube so he couldn't get in here with it. This is So I'm crowded. just going to wait it out until okay. I hear what's going on. What are you doing in here, Lady Kamala? Well, I was about to tell Zarlene how to go F herself. Is that what you meant? Or earlier? Uh, I meant earlier, but, I mean, by no means allow me to stop you. Uh, hey, hold here, guys. Hi. Um, uh, Dr. Zonelson, um, Catherine Baxter, I was just wondering, what colors are you thinking for the wedding? Like, and, and should, are you thinking, like, flowers, or do you want a band, like a live band, or? I was thinking, like, blue and red, since, you know, that's our command divisions. Okay, yeah, blue and red, that's great. That's yeah. a good idea. I was also wondering, how the hell is everyone getting inside my bathroom? Oh, I just walked through, uh, and I saw a really imposing um, dude out there. Is he still out there? Yeah, he's kind of pacing back and forth and scowling, and... and I told him to go down to Starbirds. Yeah, I, I don't think he knows where that is. Should I... Did you tell him this is a pneumatic tube before you came in here, by any chance? No, I told him, uh... Stick your head out and tell him real fast. Uh, it's a pneumatic tube. It's okay. It Wait. sounded like a pneumatic tube. It's okay. perfect. This is the cool husband you were telling me about? Yeah. The captain? You're marrying the no. captain? Oh. You're married to the captain? No, my ex-boyfriend? Cool? No. Right oh. under my nose? So blue and red then. Blue and red. I'll have you know? invitations for you to look at in just a few minutes. Uh-oh. That sounded dramatic. So, there we are. <laughs> we are talking with the wonderfully insane people who put that together. Nick Wagner, Irene Marquette, and Chris Rathjen from Improvised Star Trek. Where did this come from? You need to unmute yourselves. <laughs> or... There you go. Hello? There you yes. go. All right. As I said, you need to unmute yourself. <laughs> so how did this... When well, did this start? Let's see. It was in 2009. Yeah, 2009 we started rehearsing. Uh, we had a show at the IO Theater in early 2010 through kind of I guess through that summer mm -hmm. and uh, we did really well we kind of developed uh, uh, people who <clears throat> like to come and watch us and that was a live stage show where we would improvise um, an episode based on an audience suggestion that they would just throw out to us right at the very beginning of the episode and we would uh, improvise an entire 
Star Trek episode from their suggestion. And the, the kind of uh, idea that we had the, the entire time was that we would be on a different ship from the Enterprise so that you'd see kind of what goes on uh, in life in Starfleet when you're not on the best ship in the fleet. Yeah, and also no one wanted to hear us do uh, Patrick Stewart and, and William Chatner impersonations, <laughs> and we especially didn't want to be doing them. So. so all of you have a background in improvisational theater and improvisational comedy. Yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, my husband, who is in the group, uh, he and I worked at the Star Trek experience in Las Vegas before we moved to Chicago. So we we always really liked it. And he wanted to he always wanted to do something that was like a real cult kind of show, like a late night, um, like a, just a fun thing for fans and people who would just wander in that everyone would kind of enjoy it uh and all of us are such nerds and so i i think it was just really a fun idea for all of us yeah mm -hmm. and uh yeah he put it together with a guy named uh charlie mccracken uh and pretty much everyone uh, was already playing at the io theater uh, on some other team or group um and we did that run for seven months was it yeah i think so um, and afterwards, it would be a situation where we would see each other around and, uh, and at the theater and just talk about uh, how much we had enjoyed the group and the shows we were putting up. And uh, the idea of finding a new audience for it uh, came up. Yeah, and Chris and Nick had the awesome idea to um, get into podcasting it. And they set it up uh, so that we could really practice how to turn that stage show into... Um, into a podcast where we would oh, be podcasters. show. Podcasts, those things are never going to work. Seriously. <laughs> it's a dying art form. Yeah, well, that's between you and us here, right? <laughs> okay, no. Hopefully the audience didn't hear that, but that's yeah. okay. So, you guys, it's, it's a rare combination of a background of improvisational comedy and being a Star Trek geek at the same time. Yeah, I think we're probably about the eight of them that there are in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's not true. We, we get to have guests on all the time that uh, also do improv and also are super into Star Trek. Uh, sometimes we have guests who don't, like, don't know Star Trek at all, and that's always fun, too. But uh, there are a lot of people. It's, Star Trek really just uh, touched a lot of people in our generation. Just like me. In a so, yeah, so um, so that clip you started out with, uh, the was actually from a show called uh, "The Postman Always Hails Twice," uh, and that was just the first five minutes of the episode. You heard there was no planning from us. We heard the title and turned on the mics and started going. Yeah, and uh, that episode ends as beautifully as it begins. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they all though? I mean, sure. <laughs> so Nick, uh, tell us yeah. about the next clip. So the next clip, we're going to have a short, this one's a very short one, um, and it is from an episode, uh, I think in season two of the podcast, called uh, Time and Punishment, and this is also the, a kind of early, early scene in the show. So when we started doing the podcast, instead of taking suggestions live from, uh, you know, from a live audience, we decided to get suggestions from Facebook, so... Someone uh, like on a Saturday before we record, we ask for episode titles of Star Trek episodes that have never existed, and someone gave us the one called Time and Punishment, 
And this is what we came up with. you to one day hard labor in our time accelerant mental prison in your what time accelerant mental prison mental prison time yes accelerant so time goes faster yeah yes. that sounds all right to me. so the one day is just gonna go by super quickly oh yeah we got, we're getting off easy guys this is gonna be a total walk we should probably commit some more crimes against the society yeah yeah i mean I think it's going to be very unpleasant. You'll get tired of this by lunchtime, I swear. Which, Which will seem to you like a thousand lunchtimes. Oh, man, it's the opposite way. Oh, it's accelerating time slower. It's making time slower for us. So we somehow experience a thousand years in one day. Will we look old or will we just have, like, our brains will be older? Yeah, how old is she going to look? You'll all look about the same. You'll look like you've had a rough day, which you will have. But your minds will have had a rough millennia. Magistrate? Yes, Captain Baxter? I respectfully Baxter. request to take the punishment for my crew. Very well. You are obviously well acquainted with a Galorian law, which holds a meaningless sacrificial gesture to be the highest form of law. So, so you're really going to do that? Yes, we will let you do that. <laughs> We're sitting here cracking up at ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and you've you've been hearing a lot of uh, that was a fun, great group scene. I think that actually was like the very first thing we did from from the start of the episode, and it was just uh, like all of our training is about the on the improv side is about piling on, and you just saw everyone really get on board with that idea quick. Yeah. And, and it's fun when, when you all have a shared um, history of a show that you've watched, like Star Trek, like you can, all, you can all identify what the game is very quickly because we're, we all have watched Star Trek and other sci-fi, so we know the idea of a mental prison. We were all joking about um, Chief O'Brien like spending his lifetime in, in that prison with, where he has to kill his best friend. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers, sorry. <laughs> And so we all just jumped on that idea and we knew exactly what it was going to be. Yeah, or even like bringing in, you know, thoughts of Buffy and Angel into something like that. Yeah. Have that, you know, we're, we're all like nerds in other ways General too. Nerds, so yeah. it's fun to bring um, uh, not just like Star Trek archetypes, but other yeah. things as well. We did one a, a few months ago that was kind of like fantasy the hobbit kind of uh vibe to it and we we did one episode that was a clear quantum leap tribute and that was fun yeah and also like jane austen and shakespeare stuff i mean it runs the yeah. gamut yeah. <laughs> so basically wherever anybody wants to go everybody else will just play along exactly. yep yeah yeah so what's the difference in doing a live live stage show once a week at the io and doing what is essentially a live podcast or at least live to electron podcast mm -hmm. how, how, how do you how do you prepare differently for that or do you prepare at all that's an interesting that's a really interesting question actually thanks i, I do those <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of what they hire me for right? yeah 
Um, well, it's it, obviously when, when you've got the live show, you've got the people looking back at you. Uh, so there might be a little more adrenaline there. There's also, uh, you know, the feedback of hearing live uh, the laughs. Um, when we record, though, I feel like you can pretty much see other people sitting around trying to stifle their laughter. So you do have feedback from your fellow players. Another big difference is when you're on stage, you can indicate so much mm -hmm. physically, and you can't do that if it, people are only hearing your voice. Like the audience could know how I feel about another character just based on the way that I look at them, or if I'm standing close to them or far away. So to communicate that kind of information to each other so that we can react to it, it's different to learn how to do that in a yeah. podcast. Yeah. But I think that's why, like, we really worked on a lot of episodes just kind of rehearsing with each other before we started putting anything out. And that helped us get used to um, how to just make up stuff in that way. Yeah, we, we actually recorded for several months before we actually thought it was good enough to produce. And one of the things that we uh, learned in that process was that the, the radio show, the podcast show had to be shorter. Um, we were doing our live, uh, uh, live episodes would be about 40 or 45 minutes. Um, but with a lot and with the live audience there in the room, you can really gauge how into it they are and up your energy when you need to. But we just found that the um, 45 minutes was too long for a story to go on in the podcast form. And, it, and it, we didn't have enough energy for pot, for someone who could easily just start br browsing the web instead. You know, when you have an audience there in front of you. They're also a captive audience to some degree. So there's a whole lot of ADD on the internet as well. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you got to be short and sweet. So we, we learned how to do that. You got to either hog time or hook them one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. So, and I think the other thing too, that, that's very different is that the, the tech portion of the podcast is infinitely more important than it is typically in a stage show. Yeah, because it's taking over a lot of, like Irene said about um, what people are getting from us doing things visually. Uh, we The only way we have to give them those cues is through the music and the sound effects and things like that. On the stage, we can make, a, make our hand look like a phaser and go and people get it. Um, and it works perfectly, but if we can't do that. We have to have the actual phaser sound on the uh, on the podcast. So one thing that is um, uh, consistent from the stage to the podcast, and something that was really fun for us to work on, is we all have the same characters that we play from week to week, and uh, for a we all established them pretty early on, and we've been playing these same characters for you know, like three years now. So uh, it's it's fun to see how our relationships evolve with each other and how our characters evolve. And a really fun thing for us to play with is um, things that are just super mundane. And in this next clip, uh, we've got- <laughs> Nice, nice, <laughs> so you can do nice, well played, well played. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> The title is Cosmic Rays, and everyone on the uh, the Sisyphus gets a raise, and because it's the future and it's Star Trek, people don't know um, people don't know about money. There's no money in the future. <laughs> but my character, Lady Cola, is from Ferenginar, 
her parents were capitalists, so people are like really coming to her for advice, <laughs> and she loves that sort of thing. <laughs> so that's that's it. That's what I have to say about the clip. If you want to set that, no. <laughs> well, you, you have to stop talking so I can play it, right? <laughs> oh, okay. sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't want to cut you off. <laughs> no, no, no. Do it. Oh, we had such a nice and... no, Cut her off. <laughs> Destroyed. Just, just go along with it. Improvise. <laughs> uh, Lieutenant Cola, can I ask your advice on something? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I replicated this wallet, uh -huh. which I've been told is where you carry money. Yeah, it looks great. But now I just have to carry this wallet around. It's, it's like it's taking up a hand. H how do people do This is a real burden. Do you have a pocket near your butt? I do. I do have a pocket near my butt. You can put the wallet in the pocket near your butt. And here's a trick, though, because... Oh, that is, that is Isn't that nice. Handy? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you two more pieces of advice. If you're in a crowded space, you want to take the wallet out of your butt pocket okay. and put it in your front pocket or in your bra if you have a bra. I don't. I mean, not with this outfit. You can get one. Or you can just um, put it near your phaser. Okay. You don't want to invite pickpockets. Also, you don't want to sit what, on a wallet because that? a pickpocket is somebody who will put their fingers in your butt pocket and steal money out of your uh, Lady Cola, I yeah. finished polishing your phasers. Thank you. Uh, is there anything else you would like? Um, yes. Uh-huh. A dance party in my quarters at All right. 1800 hours. Okay. Lorem? Yes. Are, are your fingers going into my butt pocket? Is that your butt pocket? It is my butt pocket. Then yes. Take it. Take them out right now, okay? Fast or slow? As quickly as possible. <laughs> well, that happened. <laughs> that happens a lot. Extra yeah. slow. Take them out. Extra <laughs> slow. Uh, well, uh, yeah, this might be uh, a good time to tell everyone who uh, the character of, of Lorem with his slow, slow fingers and the rest of, <laughs> of, our, of, our, of our characters are. Yeah. So my character is named Charles Lorem, and he is a trill. Um, uh. And he's a joined trill. But the problem is that uh, he was actually a fairly successful Starfleet officer before the joining, and the trill turned him into an un unredeemable pervert. Nice. <laughs> well played. <laughs> yeah. So he he's he has some struggles. So yeah, whenever the show requires someone to be uh, sticking their fingers in somebody's pocket, we can count on him to be there for it. So. Thank you for saying the word pocket there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you folks can imagine. Yeah. Um, uh, I am the, the first officer of the ship. Um, I'm sort of uh, uh, naive in that I have sort of convinced myself that uh, our ship is the peer of, uh, of better ships, of the Enterprise, of, of actually just any ship not in the bottom quintile of the fleet. Um, but... Uh, but one of the, the things that's fun is uh, I also have been... This was not a character trait that I meant to have, but it came from the live show. I am a, a holodeck addict. Uh, <laughs> and that's why I did not have a bra in that outfit. Uh, because sometimes on, on the holodeck for the necessities of story, uh, my character will do any, any scenario. 
Uh, He's often spotted wearing pretty strange uh, uh, costumes on the bridge. Or nothing at all if he's just come from that sort of a holodeck program. <laughs> oh my. And I am uh, Lady Cola. Uh, I'm the security chief security officer on the ship. Uh, it's not my forte. <laughs> um, I'm human. I was raised, like I said earlier, I was raised on Franginar. My parents were capitalists. They went to the one place where you could have money <laughs> and in my teenage rebellion i went to earth and joined starfleet which is disgusting to my parents <laughs> so lady cola has just always a lot of stuff to work through um there's some some good relationship stuff coming up with her that i won't spoil <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah i knew when you guys said you were doing this for three years that none of you were red shirts <laughs> <laughs> Well, Laura, Charles is uh, a ensign, but he's one of those ensigns that manages to stick around somehow. <laughs> oh, and it, it should be noted that we are uh, in the next-gen era. We are our peers of, uh, of Picard and crew, uh, so it's really the gold shirts who are in trouble on our ship. Gotcha, ah. gotcha. But I think we have had uh, a pretty high security fatality if we stop and yeah. count it off. <laughs> Lady Cole loses more than one uh, security uh, officer per mission, probably. But don't worry, I never admit it. <laughs> Perfect. I'm um, a leader. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the fun things about yeah having the um, show for so long is we've we've got to know these characters really well in a way you usually don't in an improv show. Yeah. So. And they've developed and changed over the years, which is strange to behold. Yeah. And, and you have a, a, a semi-recurring fan base audience. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you you may have people who are watching these characters evolve over that three-year span. Yeah. That's that's very different from uh, a normal improvisational show of any kind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know of any other show that does that. And we just kind. Of, it's not like we set out to do something that original in that way it just that's how it's happened and it's been very very interesting to watch yeah and it's it's fun to um it's it's fun to do that and to think back on you know all the different phases that mm -hmm. like my character has had it's i don't know it's cool yeah i love it well it's it's always good that you're actually enjoying what it is you're doing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so Chris, could you set up the last clip for us, please? Oh yeah, certainly. Um so this is from actually a pretty recent episode uh and the suggestion we got on uh one of the suggestions we got on Facebook that day was uh today is a good day to cry. Uh and because we uh vaguely keep aware of uh, when in Star Trek history we are, we knew we were at war with the Klingons. So we had this great episode where a 14-year-old uh, Klingon girl uh, out on her first mission uh, captures the ship. Uh, she, she really hands it to us. Uh, and uh, this scene is with uh, our captain, uh, Matt Young, and uh, Sean uh, Kelly, who usually plays our science officer, but here he is playing uh, the father of this uh, Klingon commander. I'm a starship captain, you know? You don't have time for a family or for raising a kid or going to Christmas plays or, or watching them walk for the first time. I'm busy reading reports and... <laughs> and 
are living the life I wish I could lead. I have spent so much time raising my child. I, I was a stay-at-home dad. Do you know how dishonorable that is for a Klingon? Yeah, that's bad. I am trying to live vicariously through Kalibak. I am trying to groom Kalibak to become a great Klingon commander. I, I didn't even know Klingons had tear ducts. Ah, we have 12 tear ducts in each eye. Oh, right, because of all the duplication. Well, I'm really sorry. Uh, I, you know, I, I'd like to help you out, but technically we're at war right now with the Klingon Empire. But, you know, I'm a Federation officer, and I believe in the ideals of the Federation, and if I can assist you in any way, Commander... Do you think I'm a man? Like, a, a good man? Like, do you think I'm manly? Now, this is one of those... Like, do you think I'll go to Stovalcor when I die? If I say you're a man, will you be offended because that's a humanistic thing to say? Is there a Stovalcor for stay-at-home dads? <laughs> And uh, and we did our best to answer that question in the remainder of the. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I guess we didn't answer it to our <laughs> to our satisfaction. I want to say yes. I think that means, I think that means going to Stovall. You can't leave a suspense yeah. like that. <laughs> well, I think they're going to have to at this point. There's more than one way to get honor. Yeah. yeah. There's more than yeah. one way that's, to skin that's... a Stovacor. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> so. You're doing weekly shows at the I.O.? We are doing a, a monthly show. At monthly the show. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the fourth Friday of every month, we do a, uh, a live show uh, there at uh, midnight. And then, uh, actually, this month, there are five Fridays, so we are doing the fifth one as well. Yeah. Uh, so if you're in Chicago, you can come and check that out. Yeah, and it's, it's a great frequency because... It really allows us to get people out for that midnight show that's like they're ready to party, you know. And you can't do that every week. You can do that every month. <laughs> yeah. You can't do it every week. You just die at 28. Yeah. 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 I can't do it every week anymore, no. for sure. A younger cast could do it every week. <laughs> <laughs> if the midnight is too late, we also have a special show on June 1st at 9 o'clock yeah. at stage 773 mm -hmm. for the um, Chicago Nerd Fest. Yeah, yeah, Nerd Fest. So. Mm. That's a good thing to check out, too. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so those are the chances to see us in person, and uh, then we put out two of the podcast episodes uh, a month, every other every other week. Cool. That's that's an incredible output, and uh, you guys are certifiably insane. Nice job. <laughs> <laughs> in that regard. Absolutely. Uh, Nick Wagner, Irene Maquette, Chris Rathkin. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, thanks so much for having us. All righty. Ah, uh, Kriana. Yes. What's coming on for the next couple of weeks? Well, next week we have T. Morris and Philippa Ballantyne, creator of the Ministry Initiative, a steampunk Kickstarter from Galileo Games and Imagine That Studios. And the week after that, we'll be talking to Jamal Igle, creator of the comic series Molly Danger. Therese, dead redhead. One of those? Go ahead. Hello, dead redhead. Dead no. redhead? I'm muted. Yes, who forgot to unmute? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're so professional. Some days. Wow. Okay, Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Mystic Comic 
Simon Spendrad, and this is Sci-Fi. Oh, I want to thank our guests tonight, and I want to thank the cast. Boy, you know, even when we screw it up, we we still screw it up. <laughs> I want to thank Dead Red for sitting behind me, beside me tonight. <laughs> At the right hand of God. At the right hand in Area 51. And from the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and our grammar girl, Zambrarian. Thank you much, ladies. <laughs> for what exactly? <laughs> exactly. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. I know.